You are listening to WHUPLP Hillsboro. My name is Gilbert Neal, and this is D Sides, Orphans, and Oddities. I don't usually do interviews with people, and in fact, I am bad at it. But I got a chance to talk to Adriana Kagi of Kid Creole and the Coconuts. She was one of the founding members, refers to herself as Mama Coconut because she provided the choreography and all the dance uh, routines for the three girls standing stage right to August Darnell, who was Kid Creole, and of course, Cody Mundi as well. I don't know what happened to the group specifically, except for they ran out of money, is basically why these original band broke up. But I learned a lot from talking to um, Adriana, and she was very nice to speak to me and give me some information about the band and the music scene in general in the early 80s. So I'm going to be playing you sections of the interview along with some of the songs that Kid Creole and the Coconuts created and some other creations by August Darnell as well as Adriana Kagi and... They actually performed a song that was written for them by Prince, who was an early fan. If you look at YouTube videos of their live performance, especially when it became slick, you'll notice that there is a similarity between them and what Prince and the Revolution did, and specifically Prince Solo. So I hope you enjoy it. It's uh, interesting to me, and here it is now for you. I was born in uh, Switzerland, in Zurich, and spent a lot of my time before going to school in the Swiss Alps with my grandma, who was a self-sufficient farmer. And then uh, when the school started, I had to go live with my parents and my two brothers in uh, Wagensville. And my parents both had their own businesses and uh, grew up a very nice middle-class um, life. What did she grow up? Sorry, what but she, she everything she had every animal you can imagine and uh, grow and I learned a lot from her. I learned how to make jam, pick my berries and make jam from it, and all kinds of things. How did you end up in the United States then? Well, I always had a liking to the United States because I have an aunt Yolanda who moved to the United States when she was 30 and she used to come and visit us. And I, I was always fascinated by her glamor and um, the stories she told me about America. So even though I was a four years old, I told her I wanted to go to Erica because I couldn't say. America. <laughs> <laughs> was she an actress? Uh, no, she was a model. Oh. Yeah, she's very gorgeous, and she's still alive. She lives in Boulder, Colorado, in a memory care unit now at 93 years old. Oh. What was her, uh, I guess you could say, um, what was her um, pinnacle as a model? Uh, she wasn't a supermodel. That was before supermodels. So. Right, but maybe she did like a cigar ad or a cigarette no, ad. Nothing you would know t today here okay. in in America. No, nothing that she was just working as a model, doing a lot of runway shows mostly, and some photos, some ads. Did and I have other I have other families that uh, immigrated here uh, early on. So I'm actually the third generation of my family to migrate to America and. My other two didn't have anything to do with me coming, meaning they didn't help me or anything. I just decided I'm moving to America and um, wanted to study the art of entertainment, which I couldn't study in Switzerland. There's just no way. There's no schools for that. 
and um, my mother was very smart. She said, okay, if you want to be an artist, that's great. I'm going to support you and pay for your school and everything. Uh, it's like the college education. And, um, but you have to learn something first to fall back onto in case that doesn't work out. So I had to go to business school first, mm -hmm. make her I, happy. Yeah, I saw that on your, um, on your LinkedIn. Yeah, and then um, she paid for me to go to America and I moved straight into the Chelsea Hotel off the plane and my whole life changed from then on. I met most amazing people there, like the Archie Shep, New York Dolls, uh, Neon Leon, you name it. It was just one big, happy, creative family, dysfunctional family, mind you. But <laughs> you, went, you went to the Lee Strasberg School. <laughs> I did. I studied with Lee Strasberg himself and his wife and his daughter and his son. And uh, that was an amazing experience. And I thought I was going to be an actress and Lee Strasberg uh, blew my bubble by saying, look, you have to get rid of your accent, otherwise you'll never work in this country. You can go back to your country and work there. And I'm like, no, no, no. So um, I met August Darnell, who happened to have been an English teacher who loved my accent, and we fell in love, and uh, he taught me English.
plays and stuff or no because I was still in school when I met him um, and then soon after and I was also studying with Lee Strasberg so I was studying with Lee Strasberg Elvin Ailey and Martha Graham three of the great American icons I was yes. really lucky to have had that chance and experience and at Elvin Ailey I studied the, the Martha Graham technique which I was fascinated by and that's a lady a choreographer an African-American choreographer who had her first black dance troupe ever mm -hmm. in the United States you may have seen her work in stormy weathers where uh -huh. the dancers dance on drums she was quite um, amazing and she studied in the Caribbean a lot and um, yeah I was fascinated by dance and why people dance and the whole history of dance and there was no college you can go to to learn these things nowadays you can uh, so i lived across the street from the museum of performing arts at lincoln center and i would go every day and study and look at tapes and read books and just find out why do people dance and found out that it's a very cultural thing that some cultures dance for every reason. Somebody dies, they dance, somebody's born, they dance. <laughs> I find that fascinating coming from a country where we don't really dance that much, if it's, you know, unless it's like totally folkloric um, or today EDM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, um, you know, just followed my, my desires to know certain things. And uh, because the music that August wrote too is very eclectic, my choreography therefore had to match it and be very eclectic. Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna ask about um, uh, the Savannah, uh, Dr. Buzzard Savannah Band. You were you, you weren't involved with that, were you? I was, I was a big fan of Dr. Bazaar's original Savannah Band. That's right. When I, that's when I met August, right? At, when he was thinking of leaving the band together with Cody Mundy because they had some frictions. And um, on my 20th birthday, we went to a jazz club and we talked about creating our own band and came up with the whole concept right there and then of a three-ring circus and the name. And August wanted to call it Kid Creole the Cold Cuts. And I said, that's not a good name. I think we should call it Kid Creole and the Coconuts. And so it was. Um, the rest is history. So you came up with that concept. Well, not me personally. Also right, I know, I know. Yeah. You're, yeah. Um, 
but one one of the things I noticed about those early what, like when did the band start? Because because uh, I need to know when. Nineteen seventy eight, I believe. Mm -hmm. Like a fruit fly on a pear But I don't really care 
then you need to do the music, then you need to get the musicians. So we had to audition um, band members and uh, they all had to be willing to wear costumes right. and, do, and, and do movements if requested. And so we ended up with the band we had at the time, which was Winston Grennan on drums, a legendary Jamaican drummer. Um, Cody Mundi, of course, August, of course, and me with Anna Ratafia. I was just uh, somebody's friend. Um, she was very cute in my height. And she was very challenged by my very simple dance routines, but she sure tried. And she was a happy soul and still thanks me today for the experience. But needless to say, as we grew and the shows in New York downtown scene kind of became iconic. Um, and we played all the dive 
clubs that you can think of um, in those days. But when I say dive clubs, I mean that endearing, not in a, in a bad way, because that's the whole scene was the downtown New York scene was like that. Mm -hmm. um, well, the whole New York City was uh, pretty much disheveled in, <laughs> in the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, we performed that. I'm just going through all these tapes now. I'm looking at all these shows now, and it's just unbelievable how raw and energetic we were That's before, before we before we became polished you know um, right right but i see now i gotta say first of all i wanted to ask you about cody mundi yeah he were he um now i'm a, i'm sort of an amateur discographer so i'm always interested in the the records um when you watch those old tapes he does some of the songs that he did later on his solo record, his first solo record, which was, I think, the 12-year-old Former Genius or something. Right. Um, why didn't he... He was, he was pretty cryptic when I asked him um, why he didn't do those songs on the, on the Kid Creole albums, which I thought would have been great. I mean, they were great records to begin with, but um, were him and uh, August Darnell always simpatico? Were they always 100% together? as a team or was, did, did success make some sort of friction happen between the two of them? I think in any band, there's always friction. There's always lots of egos and uh, especially when narcissists are involved. Mm -hmm. And Cody is a tremendous, tremendous genius. Um, I think Cody Mundi is probably the funniest, most talented person I've ever met and still is today. He was a pleasure to be around and work with. Um, he, it was him who gave us Kid Creole the Coconuts, the first hit record. Most people don't know that. And that was Kipasa Mino Papai. Mm -hmm. That was the first record that made noise and got us noticed. And um, I don't know. <laughs>
You have to ask August if he had a problem with that um, or not. I, I can't speak for him. But mm -hmm. in any case, I'm sure everybody was very happy that we finally got, well, finally, it happened pretty quickly, actually. Uh, everybody was happy that we got noticed. We got to go to Europe and perform in Paris and London. And, um, and then the, uh, the next album came out. And from then, we had three hits in the top 10 Annie, I'm not your daddy, stool pigeon, and I forgot what the other one was. And the cat. And maybe, yeah. Which I love. I love whatever yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, Endicott, Endicott is a whole other story that's even, you know, that's it's a little later on when we were right. pretty polished. And, um, um, but, I, yeah. Please, oh, I was going to say, when you talk about the unpolished as opposed to the polished, yes, there's a video that Cody Mundi has on his website of a version of um, of um, Table Manners, which doesn't look as polished as it would later become, but the energy is just fantastic. And it, I think Lori Eastside. Oh, she's amazing too, yeah. And Carol Coleman, who has become one of my favorite bass players of all time. Well, I'm she was the first female bass player ever really to be in a band on the regular basis and tour with the band. Not only that, but she was fantastic. She Absolutely. Was, there was no kidding around with that, that woman. Jeez. Yeah, I know. And, and so, do you know what video I'm talking about? I do. Life at the Ritz. Right, right. Yeah. So the energy that comes off the stage is just incredible. There is a song from that. I don't know if it's the same show, but I have a tape of the Ritz as well, a live show where we perform in the jungle and that mm -hmm. is on fire. It's just the energy is so incredible. I'm, I, I watch it. And I watch it today. I'm watching this footage as it's not even me. I'm watching it as like a, a remote person being very objective to it going, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is the energy is just explosive, you know? I'm so, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I, it was like, I thought I was imagining this thing, but the, there's, there's slight dishevelment on the stage and it's, it doesn't look like a later on Kid Creole concert because Kid Creole's band became so, as you say, 
polished, polished mm -hmm. to the point where someone who's looking at it for the first time would say, oh my God, this is wonderful. But I think if you go back, it's just surreal. Those shows were surreal. Absolutely. And, and, and not only that, but I think you would agree with me that nobody has done that before, where, where they, where they aped, sort of aped one generation. He, he had the zoot suit and whatnot. But at the same time, you had all these modern musicians playing soul music and funk music and able to turn it around on a dime, you know, and to your credit, there was always a visual presence and you can see the lineage from you to someone like Prince and, um, and he- Well, Prince was a huge fan. He sent us a song that August wrote lyrics to called The Sex of It. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I saw I, that video. <laughs> I, I don't, what did you think of that? I think it's great to work with Prince.
But uh, do you think it's possible that you could cover your outer extremities? Because I am expecting some people uh, to come over to the house.
Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, sexism. Yes. I wanted to talk to you about the early 80s music business and how sexism, because I know it existed. I mean, of we all course. know it But I wanted to know if it ever manifested for the girls in the group. Oh, all the time. I walked into Atlantic Records to have a meeting with uh, Ahmet Erdogan uh, about signing Boomerang, a girl group that I ended up doing with Cheryl Poirier and Perry Lester, which had nothing to do with August Darnell at all. And uh, I walked in the door, <clears throat> he got up, and he greeted me by touching my breasts. Wow. And I was shocked, of course, and I just took his hands and removed them from my breasts and sat down and continued a meeting like nothing happened, because what are you supposed to do? And I did get the deal. <laughs> Even though he didn't get what he was looking for. <laughs> yeah, but he kept the meeting going, which was nice. Right, right. Of him. You wonder how many times that happened where the girl did not take his hands off. Of oh, my breasts. God, I hate to think that. Yeah, but... What is your favorite favorite? What is like your favorite moment of that of that era of that group, of that time with August? I think performing for Lady Di and meeting Lady Di was pretty amazing. Um, so was she a fan before that? Did oh yeah, she... she was a huge fan. Um, I mean, you know, it's really funny. You don't know of the influence, and August says that a lot too, is uh, you have no idea how many people you influence when you're out there like that. And we just now realize because we're getting so many emails and like because of Facebook, social media, we're getting so many messages and emails from fans uh, who, who tell us how important we were in their lives um, at certain moments and times and how they remember us and how we influenced them. And even young people who just recently discover us um, who are influenced by what we did. It's uh, quite amazing. Let's do it again. My name is Gilbert Neal, and this is D-Sides, Orphans, and Oddities on WHUP-LP Hillsboro.
The Coconuts Benefit Show, live from the Hendricks Ballroom, will continue after a brief intermission. Did you, did you, did you have to give 
To the, to the group? Well, you know, there came a time where um, the ship was sinking and the money dried up and we weren't really touring anymore. Um, we didn't really have a record deal anymore. And um, I left the ship because it was sinking and it was time to go and move on and do my own thing. And the girls felt the same way at the same time and the kind of band just dispersed because there simply wasn't any work. Who is pay- I mean, you, 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 you assemble this great group of musicians, horns and keyboards and drums and, and, and bass and these dancers and stuff. Who paid for all this? How did, how did the money, where did the money come from? Well, the money came from earned money from gigs and from, yeah, pretty much. And then once, once we got, when we got big, we had a sponsor, Malibu. You know Malibu Liquor? No, I don't. Oh, it's great. It's like a coconut rum. Malibu? Malibu, like Malibu in California. Oh, Malibu. Oh, I beg Um, your pardon. Oh, it's that accent. See? Yes, there is that accent. You're not in my movie. No. Malibu. Malibu. Is that better? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So So I've heard of that. Malibu Malibu gave us a huge budget um, to help pay for our elaborate tour called the Lifestyle. Um, lifeboat party tour uh-huh. which was probably the biggest tour we've ever done it was a lot of fun what year was and that 93 93 yeah oh okay so you were still in the group in 93 oh yeah i was i was in the group for 15 years i was in the group for the whole first part pretty much the whole while there was success and then as the sex success dwindled i moved on and then, do you have a imdb i do where do you count that the movie you guys did what was that story? You guys Against did a, all odds? Um, no, no, no. That that was that was later. Um, the one Trouble in Paradise or something or Oh, there's something wrong in Paradise. Something wrong in Paradise. But, yeah, that was a musical um, that Granada TV produced, and we were <clears throat> stationed in Manchester to do that for about a week. Mm-hmm. That was fun to do. I think that that's the key. the The appeal is that it's fun. Yeah. Well, I, I, pretty much everything we did was fun, but not without hard work because um, we put in a lot of hours rehearsing, as you can imagine. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been as tight as we were. And that includes the choreography, which oh yeah, which which you did. Boy, this is I'm learning a lot about you, and I'm learning a lot about Kid Creole, and. Um, 
and I really appreciate it. I really, um, my pleasure, but I want to know what you're doing now. Cause I see you on LinkedIn, but I, I maybe my small reptile mind cannot grasp what it is that, um, that you do. Okay. I'm a video content producer. I have my own channel on Amazon Fire TV and Roku, and it's called styleculture.tv. So if you have those apps, um, feel free to watch my channel. It's about fashion, lifestyle, music, and art. Okay, say that again, because plug away, plug away, plug away. Styleculture.tv, available on Amazon Fire TV and Roku.
disco last Saturday night Looking for action and feeling all right One lady dancing with such a delight As I sauntered up to meet her, she said Boys, don't fight I'm a disco fan Just a disco fan
And the time goes by. 
Just want me for the sex, uh, the chills of it, the chills of it, 